Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome to the Mansion on the Hill. This is the home of Terry's Serious Moments. Stories of oddness, of weirdness of nature gone strange. This is season four. We thank you for coming along for the ride. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, you know, you're a great crowd. You're really a great crowd. Here's another one for you. A man goes into a bar, sits down at the bar, and tells the bartender, Hey, jackass, give me a beer, which the bartender does. He finishes that one and says, Hey, jackass, give me a beer, which the bartender does. On the third time, Hey, jackass, give me a beer, which the bartender gives him a third beer. Then when he finishes the beer, he goes to the bathroom. Another man sitting at the bar looks at the bartender and says, Why you let him talk to you like that and call you jackass? That's disrespectful. The bartender just looks at him and says, Oh, he all, he all, he always does that. Hello, everybody. This is Terry from Texas. Welcome to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot Wednesday. Some stories that will make you wonder about the present state of the world and certainly about humanity. An unidentified man was seen flying in a jetpack near the Los Angeles International Airport. Again, the man was spotted by a flight crew about 1.45 p.m. Wednesday, October 14th, the Federal Aviation Administration confirmed. A China Airlines crew reported seeing what appeared to be someone in a jetpack at an approximate altitude of 6,000 feet, about seven miles northwest of L.A. International Airport. The FAA said it alerted local law enforcement agencies and they are investigating the report. Similar sightings of a man in a jetpack near Lax were reported to the FAA in September. An American Airlines flight was the first to report a guy in a jetpack at the plane's altitude of 3,000 feet above Los Angeles International on September 1st. The aircraft's crew said the man was approximately 30 yards away from the aircraft. About 10 minutes later, another plane spotted the man. The FBI is in contact with the FAA and is investigating multiple reports of what, according to witnesses, appeared to be an, an individual in a jetpack near LAX, including one today reported by a China Airlines crew. FBI Los Angeles field office spokeswoman Laura I. Miller said Wednesday. 
When asked for comment, LAX didn't respond. There are no additional details at this time. The audio between air traffic control and American and JetBlue flight crews from the September 1st incident were obtained. According to the communications, air traffic control warned a JetBlue flight to use caution. Person on a jetpack reported 300 yards south. After the plane acknowledged the instruction, the controller concluded with, only in LA. Now, my very small, limited, infinitesimal, microscopic knowledge of jetpacks, which goes back to the days of hydrogen peroxide-powered jetpacks, which could basically get you across a small river, maybe, says that extended flight longer than 30 seconds or so is impossible. But that's just me. And one company, Jetpack Aviation, lists speeds topping 120 miles per hour and a maximum altitude of 15,000 feet for a system powered by six jet engines. This makes me think about the old TV series, The Greatest American Hero, where hero school teacher Ralph Hanley, formerly Hinckley, could barely control his anything to do with flying and usually crash landed every time he came down. At speeds of 120 miles an hour though, the one thought I would have is, this is going to hurt. And at heights of 15,000 feet, I think, hey, I can see my house from here. And this is really going to hurt. In this entire scenario, in my mind, MPH takes on new meaning. Messy pampers here. The price of the 115-pound pack, which can stay in the air for 10 minutes, is only available upon request. And that, to me, translates into somebody having more money than they have common sense. Seriously, you can go up to 15,000 feet vertically and get up to 120 miles an hour horizontally. But consider how you'll stop and how you'll land. Badly. Very badly. Me, I'm a flatlander. And I follow Casey Kasem's sign-off of the American Top 40 to keep my feet on the ground. But honestly, I did quit reaching for the stars, mainly because when you reach for the stars in public, people shy away from you, and someone invariably calls for the guys with the white coats. Creepy doll possessed by demons cries real tears during a bar ghost hunt. Haunted dolls. You hate them, right? You know I do. Paranormal investigator Matt Tillett often takes his possessed doll along with him when he explores haunted locations. But after visiting the hideout bar in Wales, the doll's face has been left stained by tears. The doll that lives in a box and is fitted with paranormal equipment in the hope of proving there is life after death is now left with stains down the paintwork on her face as a result of her regular tears. Recently, Annie has started crying for no reason. She has real tears, Matt said. I've had her for over a year now, and it's the first time she's had real tears. So the question begs to be asked, has she had fake tears before? I can't explain it. It's been happening since I put her in a new enclosure. I've sent it to demonologists, and they've suggested that it could be one of the demons crying because they're trapped in the box and they can't get out. 
When we were at the hideout, she had fresh water running down her right eye. It's unexplainable. It can't be condensation because there's a big hole in the top. Nobody can come up with an answer. It's a one-of-a-kind thing that's never happened. Nobody has ever seen anything like it before, he said. The 32-year-old, who has been a paranormal investigator for the last eight years, said he owned Annie for the last 12 months. There's never a dull moment with Annie. She's always bringing some activity, he said. She has two demons that are attached to her, and they help bring forward spirits and activity on the night. Her lights were going off at the hideout, so I think it was children that were trying to play with her because they like dolls. Obviously, so do some men. After going through footage from the evening, Matt says he caught what he thinks is a woman screaming. You can clearly hear it. The noise is really loud, he said. We think it's either a scream or somebody whistling to make us go downstairs. The noise was caught in the flat upstairs, above the bar, which has been abandoned. It's such an eerie place. I enter every place as a skeptic. I won't believe it until I've actually seen or heard something. So for me, when I hear something like that, it's brilliant. It's something you can't hear with your ears, so when we're doing the investigation, we're oblivious to the sounds at the time. It's only when you hear the recording back that you can make out the noise. It's all to do with static electricity and frequencies. The frequencies are too high for our ears to pick up, but a microphone can because it can pick up all frequencies. During the investigation, Matt claims he also made contact through a Ouija board with a man called Luther Jones. boy, Luther! Who claimed to be a cobbler from the 1850s. Before the hideout was there, it used to be a cobbler's, he said. We had it confirmed after the investigation that this person did actually exist. We searched the archive records and searched people who lived in the area. He told us he lives in the building and thinks he still works there. According to the archives, he lived on the high street, died at the workhouse. I'm not sure where that was, but we do know he did exist. He added, We also found out there's a six-year-old boy who lives here with his mom and dad. Because the little boy was so young, he couldn't spell, so all he could give us was his age, which was six. We asked him if his mom and dad were with him, and he moved the planchette on the Ouija board to the yes. Because of the spelling issue, we couldn't get much more from the little boy. I personally don't hold with the concept of haunted dolls, but it's because I've never encountered one. I suppose they could be real. My mind is open. Anybody got any stories to tell about them? A friend of mine who keeps me abreast of the paranormal happenings in her life has given me a couple of interesting stories of late, and I thought I'd share them with her permission. She told me some time ago of the oddities in her neighborhood, and it does beg the question, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? Her story follows. Here is a weird thing that happened in my neighborhood. Last year, there was a home down the street that burned to the ground. That house was next to my friend's house. My friend committed suicide and lived across the street from 
another neighbor who hung herself from a tree in the front yard. So they recently rebuilt the home after the fire and just moved back in a couple of months ago. She says she found out that morning that after living there for 12 days, his wife had a stroke and died in the house. I asked her why she still lived in that neighborhood. She has had things of a paranormal nature happen in her home for several years, but they've not been of a threatening nature, so she's not ready to lutz the place yet. She gave me another story, though, I felt was pretty positive. Her daughter is going to be in the wedding of a friend of hers, and what's germane to this podcast is that the wedding is happening on October 31st, and it has a Halloween theme, so the participants will be in Halloween-related dress. They even gave the bride-to-be a ghoul shower, and they had an Annabelle doll as decoration. So I'll give a shout-out now to Ginger and her intended. Congratulations early, you two. And now, King Alfonso IV of Portugal was a strong ruler, and he was used to having his own way in all things. When his son, Don Pedro, or Peter I of Portugal, fell in love with Inez Pires de Castro, he forbade marriage because Inez was illegitimate. Pedro carried on the relationship, later claiming that he and Inez were married. Alfonso tried to end the relationship, but failed and had her confined in a monastery. Here, in January of 1355, he had three of his henchmen murder her. Two years later, Alfonso died. Pedro became king and pursued his wife's killers. Two were caught and brought before him and he had their hearts ripped out, one from the front, one from the back. According to legend, King Pedro then had Inez exhumed and ordered the corpse be dressed in a style appropriate to a queen and have her crowned. Pedro sat on a throne next to her as all the nobility of Portugal filed past, lifted her hand and kissed it as a mark of their fealty. The Halley's Comet Panic of 1910, named after astronomer Edmund Halley, Halley's Comet, or Halley's Comet, if you want to be particular, only passes by Earth every 76 years or so. When it buzzed our planet in 1910, it sparked a lot of interest. According to Wired.com, telescope sales skyrocketed as the comet neared. Hotels even offered special deals so people could gather on top of their roofs to watch the meteor pass. Of course, not everyone was pleased with the comet's appearance, as many believed the shooting star would end civilization. This crazy idea came courtesy of Camille Flammarion, a French astronomer who believed the comet's 24 million mile long tail contained a poisonous cyanogen gas that would impregnate the atmosphere and possibly snuff out all life on the planet. Unfortunately, the New York Times did a piece on Flammarion's apocalyptic theory that encouraged some less trustworthy newspapers to run wild with the story. So in addition to telescopes, people started ransacking stores for gas masks. Con men made a killing 
by selling anti-comet pills, and some people worried the comet would cause the Pacific to change basins with the Atlantic and turn the world into one heterogeneous mass of chaotic confusion. Worried parishioners flocked to their churches, and according to science writer Matt Simon, people actually sealed up their keyholes to keep poison out of their homes. When the comet finally passed, however, the gas mask proved totally worthless, as there was no poison. Sure, a few people blamed the meteor for King Edward VII's death, but there's not a lot of science backing that claim. Interestingly, Mark Twain also passed away as the comet flew overhead, which is extra weird considering the fact that he was born when the comet flew by before in 1835. Oh, as a footnote, I once saw Halley's Comet in the year of 1986 when I was in college. I bought a telescope and it was a cheap one and what I saw was basically a blur which is how they described Halley's Comet looking. If you ever saw the movie The Right Stuff then you probably remember the scene where astronaut John Glenn was in orbit around Earth and there had been a problem with the spacecraft Friendship 7. As the technicians and engineers were down on Earth trying to figure out how to solve the problem, Glenn was hurtling through space watching fireflies out the window of his orbiting aircraft. But what were those fireflies? As Glenn was circling the Earth a second time, he looked outside Friendship 7 to see a spacecraft was surrounded by tiny glowing lights. Awestruck, Glenn told Mission Control that he was in a big mass of thousands of very small particles that are brilliantly lit up like they're luminescent. He described them as yellowish-green and said each orb looked like a firefly on a really dark night. What they didn't know at the time, neither astronaut Glenn or NASA, that what was happening was not necessarily extraterrestrial as some might have thought. The astronaut himself believed it was some sort of miracle. But what was really happening was that these fireflies had a very simple, more realistic explanation. The Mercury spacecraft was equipped with a vent that projected the astronauts' bodily fluids, think sweat and urine, into space. When the liquid was shot into the void, it froze instantly, and if the light hit it at just the right angle, those droplets would glow like a thousand little celestial fireflies. Gee whiz! Just take the mystery and the wonderment all out of it. This story is a little disturbing. The woman who gave birth to rabbits. In September of 1726, an English woman named Mary Toft gave birth to something that looked like cat intestines. And when local obstetrician John Howard arrived at her home, he helped Toft deliver several cat legs and nine dead baby rabbits. Baffled, Howard wrote to medical experts in London. Soon, word of the miraculous births made their way to King George I himself. Curious, the king sent Nathaniel St. Andrew, his personal surgeon and anatomist, to investigate. And on the day he showed up, Mary Toft gave birth to rabbit number 15. Shockingly, both St. Andre and John Howard really thought Toft was delivering rabbits. Well, the practice of medicine was still young and pretty stupid. 
They believed she had been startled by a rabbit while pregnant, and that's why she's giving birth to baby bunnies. This insane theory was called maternal impression, or as we call it today, wrong. But not everyone bought into it. It was determined the rabbit's lungs couldn't have developed inside Toft's womb. Plus, one physician found droppings inside a dead bunny that contained hay and straw. Crazier still, after Toft delivered half a rabbit, someone keenly noticed the animal had been cut in two with a knife. Still, St. Andre was convinced Toft was a baby bunny mama, and he brought her to London for closer examination. Upon her arrival, Toft became the talk of the town. People flocked to see the legendary mother, and her story was covered in major newspapers. But once she was in London, Toft stopped giving birth. As if that weren't suspicious enough, a servant was caught sneaking a rabbit into her room. After one doctor threatened to perform surgery on her, Toft confessed it was all a hoax. She was hoping to earn money in freak shows and to scam a few prominent doctors on the side. Toft had been placing the rabbits inside the appropriate parts of her body and then pushing them out. Please, don't even think about doing this at home. Well, if that's not enough to scroll your nerd, then I don't know what will. Let's just agree that this world has quite a few Whiskey Tango Foxtrot moments and stories. These are but a few. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page. And it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments. Or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again soon. So hang in there. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody.